preach to you out of uh, the book of Mark. Uh, Jesus put a stamp of approval on someone. And I think it, we should take the time to figure out why Jesus said, hey, this is my gal, so to speak. It was a lady. There are many people that we're going to talk about, many people that if you read these scriptures, that are included in them. And Jesus uh, understood the intent of their heart. And he also understood the intent of her heart. And she's the only one that Jesus said the things that he said about and put his stamp of approval on her. I tell you the truth, Mark chapter 14 and verse 9. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Another translation said what she did will be talked about and it will be a memorial to her. Wherever the gospel is preached, whatever nation, whatever language, Wherever someone is preaching the gospel, whether it's in someone's home, whether it's on the street, whether it's in some large tabernacle somewhere. He said, this woman's story is going to be told. I thought, wow. Now, man, I wish I could tell you that he said the same thing about the men that are in this story. But he didn't. He only said it about this woman. So I want to take a look and find out what exactly she did for Jesus to say such a thing. How many of you want some approval in your life? How many of you have misapproval by people around you? Yeah, but I tell you, if you get God's approval, buddy, you will dance. When you know God approves of you and he does approve of you and you need to get that here and you need to get it here. But hallelujah, we're going to find out what she did where Jesus said such a thing. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. I want you to see these religious leaders. These leading priests and these religious leaders, they had an agenda. And their agenda was they wanted to kill Jesus. They thought they had a good reason to kill him because, to tell you the truth, they were jealous of him. I mean, Jesus had a crowd. Jesus was becoming a leader of a group of people who were Jewish who now became Christians. I mean, he had the heart of the city. There are a multitude of people that followed him everywhere he went. I mean, after all, when Jesus spoke, it was more than the words of a man. You knew that there was something else. They knew it was not just the, the, the words of, a, of a, a learned man or even a prophet or a teacher. They knew it was the words of God. When he spoke to them, there was something about his speech. But how about the things he did? The miracles that happened. The raising of the dead, the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, and he continued to do many miracles that we don't even know about. So Jesus and the Christian movement and the movement that Christ was in charge of, so to speak, the head of, it really had a real, uh, a real movement in the city. And they were angry. They were the leaders. They were the religious uh, leaders. And they wanted to kill him. 
That was their agenda. They wanted to kill Christ. But during the Passover celebration, they agreed or the, that the people may riot. They wanted to kill him. They were looking for an opportunity to kill him, but they didn't want to do it during this celebration, this public celebration. Let me tell you who they were. They were one person in private, and they were something else in public. Now, I just want to say this to you. Beware of those that you never can get close enough to to find out who they really are privately. Let, let, let me just say to you, who they are in private, they ought to be in public. And who they are in public, they better be in private. I don't care how fancy they are. I don't care what title they have or anything of that nature. I'm just telling you to beware of those that will not let you close enough. I was, I'm a fan of R.W. Shambach. Anybody know who that is? R.W. Shambach came to our Bible college because there were some students that were going to school there at the time. And I was friends with them. And they were getting ready to go out to lunch with him. And I... Um, Found out about it. And so I got, I started hanging around looking real hungry. <laughs> and you know, Brother Shambach was a, he was a miracle worker. He was a, a healer, so to speak. And so uh, he took us all out to lunch. And I was like, man, it was like being out with Elvis Presley, you know. I was like, whoa, this is R.W. Shambach. And, you know, and I was expecting him to turn around and say, you don't need a doctor. All you need is faith in God, you know. But, you know, I was upset. You know why I was upset? I got in the backseat of his car, and I heard about the healings. I heard about the miracles. I heard about all the wonderful things he did. And you know what was in a bag on the floor in the back of the Lincoln? A bag with aspirin in it. I was like, Brother Shambach takes aspirin? I know that was silly. I couldn't get over it. It took me at least a good two weeks to pray about it. Yes, even Brother Shambach took aspirin. And so do I. How about you? If not, try a couple of them. They're good for your heart. Publicly is one thing, but privately is another. Privately, they were like, we want to kill him. He's stealing our thunder. He's stealing the hearts of the people, all these miracles he's doing. But publicly, it was like, oh, it's okay. Let's not get the people riled up and turned against us. Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. Evidently, like I said, these leading priests and teachers of the religious law, their agenda was not pure at all. Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman, everybody say a woman, came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. 
or what they call spikenard. She broke open the jar and she poured the perfume upon his head. This is the woman that because of this deed, Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, her story is going to be told as a memorial to what she did. Notice what she does. First of all, there are only men at this meeting. And there were men that were there that were friends of this man who were a leper. They were probably some religious people. They were probably some political people. And they were having, uh, they were dining along with Jesus. And this woman, uninvited, makes her way into this men's club. And all of a sudden, she draws attention to herself because she took this perfume and she went right to Christ and she poured this upon his head. You know what she had to do? Like most women have had to do, particularly in the, over the last 100 years and, and especially in the last you know, uh, in the last 50 years, you're finally making some progress. And I want to tell you something. I believe that we are going to see women across this nation. They're going to rise up and they're going to lead the movement that's going on in the kingdom of God. Will you put your hands together and give God some praise? They've been held down. There was a time of a woman wanted to be a pastor or a preacher. She was fought. I knew that Aaron would say that. <laughs> They've been trying to hold them back. It was no different then. First of all, nobody invited her. Second of all, we don't know who she was. We don't know her story. We don't know her background. There are some, some commentaries that say she was this Mary or that Mary or this Mary. They don't know who she was. Some of them even said she was a woman of reputation. But she pressed on. In the face of prejudice and in the face of fear, and she went and did what she did unto the Lord. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give God some praise. And I want to just say to you ladies, I don't care what religion says. I don't care what a bunch of religious men say. I don't care what a bunch of leaders say. I don't care what they say. They may even have titles. You go ahead and you do everything that God wanted you to do. Go ahead and press on through the fear and through the prejudice and do exactly what your heavenly father has called you to do. Oh, put your hands together and give God some praise with me. Don't back up. You hear me? Turn to somebody and give them a high five and tell them, don't back up. Don't back up. I want to go back to this woman in a moment and talk about why Jesus said the things that he said to her. I do want you to notice that she doesn't have a name. She doesn't have a title. But you know what? She did not have a personal agenda either. Mark chapter 14. Some of those that were at the table were indignant. Why waste? Such an expensive perfume, they asked. 
It could have been sold for a year's wages. They were trying to act like they were concerned. They were trying to like, they, like they, you know, their agenda was the poor. The truth of the matter is it was. It wasn't. They said that the person that was ahead of this group of men who began to find fault with the things she did was probably Judas. And we hear, read about Judas here in just a few. But I want you to notice something. They acted like, oh, this was such, uh, such an elaborate act, such a waste. Because listen to what it says. It could have been sold for a year's wages. What this woman had and what she poured upon the head of Jesus was worth a year's wages. Oftentimes, this treasure that she had, it was in a clay pot or alabaster box. This treasure that she had, oftentimes it was passed down. It was something that maybe somehow, maybe you would inherit as a child. Now, I don't know if she worked and she earned it and she bought it. I don't know if it was handed down to her, but it was something that they just did not use uh, on an everyday basis. It was something that was worth one year's wages. Now, what would you do, gentlemen, if your wife came home and said, guess what, what, hallelujah. And you'd say you make $75,000 a year, $80,000 a year. And she said, guess what? She said, I finally got what I wanted. What is that? I got the most beautiful perfume that you're ever, ever, ever going to smell. As a matter of fact, you probably won't even smell this because I'm not going to open it. Oh, Really? Are you happy, honey? Oh, I'm so happy, you know. Oh, really? Well, did you get a good deal? Well, I think I did. Well, what did it cost? Well, it cost us $80,000. No, I know most of you men would let your wife do that, wouldn't you? Hmm. A year's wages and the money given to the poor so they scolded her harshly I want you to notice that you know what their real agenda was their agenda was not about taking care of the poor you know what happened this woman upstaged them First of all, she didn't timid. She didn't beg to be there. She didn't ask their permission to be there. There was something else that was driving her. There was something else that was in her heart. And I'll tell you what it was. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, she either heard about Jesus or she met Jesus. And Jesus did something wonderful for her or something wonderful for her family. And she decided to take the very thing that was most precious to her. And she decided to give it to Jesus and love and honor him. Well, come on and say hallelujah with me. She gave it all and expected nothing in return. You know what they wanted to do? They weren't concerned about the poor. They wanted to scold her. They were angry with her. She didn't ask permission to come. She wasn't intimidated by them. Now, some of you ladies who are like, Aaron, you ought to be dancing right now. 
She is. Because of what was in her heart and her love for Christ, she pushed past all of that. And they were angry. And they wanted to get even with her. That was their agenda. They wanted to scold her. They were not concerned about the poor. But Jesus replied and said, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for the burial ahead of time. And then he went on to say, I tell you the truth, forever the good news is preached throughout the world. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Mark chapter 14, verse 10. Then there's Judas Iscariot. We have leaders. We have those that witness what the woman had done. Their agenda was not pure. The religious leaders and the teachers. Those who found fault with the woman. And then we have Judas Iscariot. One of the 12 disciples. He went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come. And they promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. I'm like, yo, Judas, what's the deal? What are you doing? You're one of his disciples and you're looking to betray him. Those who found fault with the woman, their agenda was they wanted to scold her she outdid them so to speak the religious leaders they wanted to kill him now Judas was I think being a little slick Judas was playing both sides of the in other words he wanted to be kind of in with Jesus and the disciples but he also wanted to kind of you know uh, find favor with the religious leaders just in case this Jesus thing didn't work out just in case the movement was stopped. Just in case everybody, you know, all the disciples took off and ran off. He thought, well, these guys are in charge. And these guys, you know, what if they do get their hands on Jesus? And what if they do crucify him? Then he's like, I think maybe his agenda was self-preservation. Some wanted to kill him. Some wanted to find fault with the woman. And he wanted to make sure that he was preserved. But Jesus only celebrated the woman because she gave all that she had, expecting nothing in return. And I want to tell you something. You will absolutely never, never, never be able to find fault with the person who gives it all and puts it in the hands of Almighty God. Come on and give the Lord some praise with me. My wife is one of those ladies. 
My daughter talked about it briefly. She's one of those moms, one of those wives. We came here 35 years ago. No promises, no money, no congregation. There were five people that wanted me to come here and start a church. And we were in Miami doing very well. I was associate pastor of a good church there. And the Lord spoke to me to come here. My wife was willing to come. She felt the spirit of the Lord when I discussed it with her. And she said, let's go. And so we did come here. I want to tell you something. The last 35 years have not been easy. She had, no, I haven't. We had five children. And at times, I think she had six because the sixth one happened to be me. I was not easy. And then Dan, of course, you know, you had to. <laughs> Things have not been easy. If, 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 if uh, maybe if I would have done this a different way, maybe found a, a, a church or a denomination that might send me here and maybe support me while I was here trying to start a church. Maybe if I would have done it a different way, maybe perhaps it would have been easier, but that's not the way that God asked me to do it. No, no. Probably, perhaps, if I would have been involved with a different kind of people, they probably wouldn't have bought the very vision that God put in my heart and gave their money and their time to do what God has established here right now. No, my desire was to go to highways and the byways and compel them to come in. I had it in my heart to reach those who were broken, those who were sin sick, those who were cast away by society. But it wasn't easy. I worked three jobs and pastored the church. My wife worked, took care of our children. There are times we didn't have medical insurance or clothes to wear or shoes to wear or a car that would run. But you know what? My wife never complained. She never said to me, I need more clothes. She never said to me, I want another car. She never said to me, we don't have enough of this or enough of that. She stood by my side. She never ridiculed me. She never said, I can't do this. Are you lost your mind? <laughs> Harvest House and many of the things that happened, the Lord spoke to us and he allowed us to take money off our own house. God gave us a house. We had a lot of equity in it. We borrowed on the equity several times so that an Esther's place and another harvest house could be established. And my wife never said no. I have a cousin that you know. And he's, you know him, he's preached here, and hopefully he'll preach here again. And she called me, he called me the other day on the phone. And he said, buddy, I said, what's that? He said, you lucked out. I'm like, what are you talking about? I lucked out. He said, you lucked out. I said, really, what do you mean? He said, that woman that you have, I cannot believe 
that she put up with you all of these years. She hasn't shot you. She hasn't. She hasn't going to go see a lawyer to divorce you. She has stood by your side and stood by the plan and the purpose of God. And he said, I was so stupid. I should have married her instead of you. I said, after all these years, buddy, it's now too late. She's mine and mine alone. Come on and say hallelujah with me. Many women, like this woman, gave it all. My grandmother was that kind of a person. My grandmother was raised in the South, and she was taught certain things about certain people that she shouldn't embrace or she shouldn't love and so forth and so on. But after she came to Christ, she loved everyone. She loved everyone. I don't care what your color was, what your faith was, what your background was. My grandmother loved everyone. Now, I went to live with her. I was a handful. My grandmother, my mother got rid of me, sent me to Pennsylvania, and I was living with my grandmother in her house in a little town called Sweden Valley, Pennsylvania. The first time I saw my grandmother in many, many years, I went into her home. And there was something in her eyes. I was a rough, tough, stupid, confused, crazy kid. And I walked in her house. She's in the kitchen. She was always in the kitchen. Making cornbread, dandelion greens, collard greens. Oh, can I get a witness? She's always stirring up something. I walked in that kitchen. She was there. I hadn't seen her since I was about five years old. I was broken, confused, and angry. But I saw something in that woman's eyes that I don't think I'd ever seen before. I saw Jesus looking at me through her eyes of love. Come on, say hallelujah. Grandma didn't have a title. Grandma wasn't a preacher. But everywhere I went, where she went, People would say to me, I will never forget your grandmother. Grandma paid a great price. She got a great price for her faith. She paid a great price on behalf of her children and her grandchildren. But many, many people will never forget her. You know, I have a lady we call Aunt B. Aunt B is 103 years old. I will never forget Aunt B. She took me in. But nobody else wanted me. She did, she would, she'd let me preach in her little church in the Keysport, Pennsylvania. She would make over me. She would uh, send me to all of her friends and have me preach in their churches. We did outreach to parks with her. And Aunt B loved me and she encouraged me. She was a mother in the Lord. And I'll never forget her sacrifices and her love for me. I wouldn't be doing what I do today if it wasn't for my grandmother and Aunt B. The other I want to talk about for just a moment. The other woman who had such an impact in my life was Mother Pritchard, Angie's mom.
Mother Pritchard loved to do things with excellence. She was a giver, always willing to give and to stand with us. I remember I was talking about building a building for years, and we didn't do it. We're in the same place now, but we are going to do it. And she had this southern draw, you know. She's a Florida gal. And she came in my office. She was acting secretary at the time. She was just volunteering. And I had this little tiny office. And she came in there and she said to me, Brother Miner, I said, that's how she had this little voice. Brother Miner, I said, yes. Yeah. She said, Brother Miner, can I speak to you for a moment? Now, let me tell you, when Mother Pritchard speaks, you better listen. I said, yes, ma'am. I was like a little kid. Yes, ma'am. She said, Brother Miner, I said, yes. She said, you've been talking about building that building for a couple of years. I'm like, yes, ma'am. She said, I want to tell you something. If you don't start... You can't finish. I didn't have faith, but I was scared enough of her that I thought I better do something. She was a woman of faith. A woman that always spoke of the goodness of God and the wonderful things that God had in store for us. And she is a woman that did things with excellence. How long has she been gone now, Angie? Three years ago, we laid her to rest. But she changed my life. So many women that nobody knows, that don't have a title, that haven't written a book, but so many women who are willing to give everything, like this woman here, have changed my life. And I just want to say thank you to you ladies. How you've sacrificed. How you've given to your families. Expecting nothing in return. You loved them when they perhaps were not so lovable at the time. You refused to give up on them. I want to thank you. And I, I just want to say this to you. We are going to see more and more ladies across this country who are going to be used in great ways to bring the kingdom of God. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise. Just like this woman refused to be counted out, I want you to leave here, ladies, knowing that God has a great work for you to do. And don't let anyone count you out. So we... Thank you for your sacrifice. And Jesus said about this woman, because she had no agenda, just to love him and honor him, that she would be talked about. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love for him. Yes? No, you can end it. You're the mother. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you for this day of celebration. We thank you for those women that are in our midst. We thank you for those, Father God, that have touched all of our lives, whether it was a mom, a grandmom, a friend who encouraged us to go on and apprehend all that you have.
have for us. We pray today will be a special day. That you'll bless each and every one of them. Let them feel your love. Let them feel, Father, that you are ever so close. And encourage each and every one of them. Give them strength and give them health. In Christ's precious name, everybody say amen. 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 amen.